Welcome to the Millennial Way. Real millennials, real success. This is how they did it. Tailoring the next generation of leaders. I'm proud to be your host, Chase Coleman. Y'all, what is up? What is going on? I'm your host, Chase Coleman, and happy winning Wednesday. What a beautiful day it is here in Seattle. It is as hot as all get out, y'all. I'm not even going to lie to you. I mean, shoot, I... I'm excited. It's the end of July. We have continued to move through quarantine and COVID, and I'm not going to touch too much on that, but my little brother is turning 22 next week, so you guys have heard him on season four, and if you can, wish him a very happy birthday. Blake, happy early birthday. I love you to death, man. And I also want to give a quick shout out to my boy, Howard Akumia. Now, Howard is a buddy that I went to high school with, and we had a great time getting to know each other in high school, but we really didn't connect until post-college. And he was living on the West Coast. I was living on the West Coast. And I mean, the first time I saw him since high school was actually going back to Coachella or going to Coachella for the first time. Thank you to him. And he's creating some really cool apps and he runs runs a business out of Southern California. And guys, like, I just admire the hell out of him. So I had to give him a quick shout out because Howard's doing some really big things. It's a name that you guys will hear I'm sure in the news within the next couple years. I mean, Forbes 30 under 30, if Forbes is lucky, because he's awesome. But thinking about where we're at today, it's July 22nd. Sports are officially back, right? We got, we're got we watching the MLB. We got exhibition games going on. It's opening week next week. The NBA is coming back in full force. I saw that out of 342 players, they had zero people test positive for COVID. Let's go. Um not sure exactly what the hell the NFL is doing. I've, I'm seeing a lot of posts on Instagram from players saying we want to play, but we need safety protocols. There's a lot of stuff going on, y'all. And I'm just pumped that sports are coming back. I actually have a reason to gamble a little bit, a reason to get excited watching games. And I mean, no offense to the you know Korean baseball organization, but like watching American sports, there's nothing, nothing better than it. So I'm pumped about that, y'all. The, you know, I'm just going to transition real quickly because working from home I don't know about y'all but we've been doing this for like shoot five months now and it's tough still it, I mean I, I can't even lie to you guys now finding the motivation I've, I've luck, been lucky enough to find a good routine that fits me and instead of commuting in the morning and listening to a podcast by uh, the New York Times the daily I now listen to that in the mornings at home. I'm able to grab my coffee from home. I watch the news in the morning. There's a lot of stuff that has changed, but I'm getting used to it. And I'm just not going to lie to y'all. It still sucks though. I mean, I, I'm an extrovert. I get energized by being around people. And at the end of the day, like I need that to be surrounded by people to feel re-energized. And I'm trying to find ways to find that re-energy. And I, I think meditation has helped big time, but it still hasn't necessarily got me all the way there. So if you're struggling a little bit, just know that you're not the only one. I'm here with you and we will make it through this together. One thing that does help me, and I think I talked about this on a couple uh, episodes ago, was traveling. And yes, I mean, we can't necessarily travel all that much via airplane. And you know, the US passport only really works in Mexico right now. So international travel is, you know, at a at its at a very minimum at very least right now but one thing that I am doing is planning a road trip and that's one thing that I'm looking very I'm actually very excited and looking forward to it is because of the fact that like I get to be back out and doing things now for granted California is shutting back down and some other states are shutting back down but it would be nice to get to an Airbnb and just be able to cook and work from a different place and a different change of scenery so 
more to come on that one. And, um, you know, one thing that I also wanted to mention to you guys that I've been doing is listening to other podcasts. And I've been really enjoying this podcast called Lazy Yet Successful. And it's a podcast by the Instagrammer Alan Prepzilla and his husband, Justin, on weekly news, life updates, and all-around tips on being lazy yet successful in your everyday life. And I love their show so much. I've actually included a link to the show in the show notes. And their Instagram is at lazy yet successful. And these guys are hilarious. I was actually talking to Alan the other day, and they just got back from a cross-country road trip, which... You know, to be honest with you guys, it did inspire my my uh, upcoming road trip that I'm trying to plan, and I'm not going to go nearly as far as they did. I mean, cross country. You know, my roommate Thomas did that when he was moving out here to Seattle, and um, I don't know if I have the time to do that right now, y'all. I'm just being honest with you. I mean, we got a lot going on here with the Millennial Way. Um, we also got a lot going on just at work in general. So, cross country road trip. You know, that'll come up at some point. And I do want to see our glorious and just beautiful country, but I think I'm going to stick to the West Coast for now. And on that note, I'm going to transition us over. We have Brock Turner here. So we heard from Brock Turner in season three, talked a little bit about car buying during that time. And I wanted to regroup with with Brock on how is car buying going right now during COVID? I mean, you know, when I think about industries just in general, a lot of them are hurting. I mean, think about, you know, the airline industry. They're just... They're, they're absolutely hurting. So I was thinking like big luxury ticket items that, you know, cost thousands and thousands of dollars where people need to go out and take loans. What's going on in the car industry today? So we have Brock who's coming on and he's our car guru and I'm super excited to have him on here. And enough of me ranting, y'all. Let's just, let's get into this. And y'all, as I mentioned, I am bringing my boy Brock Turner back. So last time we talked to Brock, we talked about purchasing a car. I was on a car purchasing journey, which Brock helped tremendously through. And, you know, some things happened where I wasn't actually able to go buy a car yet, which I'm going to go buy within the month. But we're not even going to talk about that today. Brock, I'm just happy to have you back, man. Um, before we even get started into this, like, I'm just curious, like, what's new with you? What's going on? How are things going for you? And you know, last time we talked again, it was about purchasing a car and I'd love to hear a little bit about what you're doing and, and what role you've taken on since we last talked. Well, first off, you know, thanks for having me back, Chase. Oh, of course, man. Of course. It's always a great conversation with you on Brock. <laughs> All right. You flatter me a little bit too much, but <laughs> so yeah, I mean, uh, was selling cars for a little bit longer, um, since our conversation, um, but then had the opportunity to, interview with Southeast Toyota, um, which is the distributor, the distributor, um, of Toyotas for the Southeast region of the country, um, was, was lucky enough to land, um, a role in marketing there. And, uh, it's, it's going pretty well. It's, uh, I cannot complain. I love, I love to hear that. And, you know, we're living in a COVID world right now and we'll touch on that in a little bit, but you know, Brock, we were just talking and you're a marketing and admin manager for Southeast Toyota. And, while we were talking, you you mentioned that you work for the director and VP of marketing. So it sounds like it's a relatively small team and that the role was actually created for you, which I think is, you know, you, you say that I flatter you too much. I'm going to flatter you even more because when a job gets made for somebody, it shows that you not only are capable, but you're capable of doing the job and then taking it 
to the nth degree, right? You're able to kind of up-level it and make it even better. Can you tell us a little bit about what it means to be a marketing admin manager at Southeast Toyota and how you kind of came about this opportunity to really land a role that was created for you? Well, um, how much time do you have? But, I got uh, a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, I know. So let's, uh, let's just, uh, I'll give you a little overview. Um, so I'm not the only one in uh, the marketing department. The marketing department is actually broken up um, into, uh, we're actually called the customer journey team. And we are broken into divisions of uh, data, um, the customer, uh, I'm drawing a blank here, data, uh, retention, and then uh, attribution. Okay. So I'm on the attribution side. So we do a lot of marketing for the sale. Um, What retention does is try to market to the customer we've already sold to and help service the customer. my team, I'm actually a part of, um, let me let me count on my finger. There's, so there's three managers underneath our director who is under a VP. And then there's an awesome team of specialists that are under um, the other, my counterpart manager. Um, they're awesome people. They manage their channels, whether it's uh, social media, um, general market, uh, Hispanic market. Um, you know, wherever we need a specialist, we have it filled. Um, and so it's pretty awesome to work with them. They're amazing people. But uh, yeah, I, let's take you down the path of you know what happened. Uh, so basically, I was selling cars, and you know, to be honest, it was a grind, and I was looking for a change. And uh, went to lunch with a few people, um, set myself up to just talk to the right people. Um, you know, something you always talk about is networking and just knowing the right person at the right time. Um, they kind of set me up in the sense that I really wanted to be uh, just in the company because honestly, I'm super passionate about Toyotas. And they were like, hey, let's get this guy in our field team. Um, Unfortunately, there wasn't a spot, but they were like, hey, we have this marketing role. Uh, We think you'd be a great fit. Um, I came in and interviewed for it. And uh, apparently they thought high enough of me to create this new role. Um, which is kind of a hybrid in the office, out in the field, uh, trying to figure out, you know, what's going on in our markets day to day, whether any any channel of marketing and really being a middleman between our field team, our dealers and uh, the corporate office. So yes. it's been a great journey. Dude, that's awesome. I mean, talk about I, I don't know about you, but like for me, at least this whole work from home uh, aspect of COVID has made me realize that I do absolutely love interacting with people. And absolutely. That's probably my biggest thing. Well, it's, it's crazy, right? Because for example, I, I met up with my, my team, my small team that I work on today on Sunday for a barbecue. Now we did it socially distanced. We were very safe around it, but I've been working on this team for about two and a half, almost, well, yeah, about two months now. And it was just crazy because I actually got to put faces to names, right? And, or I'm sorry, voices to faces to names. And it's just crazy to see how it's all kind of come to fruition now that we kind of live in this, this COVID world. And I can only imagine some of the difficulties that you're having, having been both like in the internal corporate office and then also out in the field. And like, just, I just have a quick question for you. Have they shut down your travel due to COVID and have they been able to 
tell you when you're going to be able to travel again? And how has that kind of been for you in terms of like managing those relationships? Because I'm, I'm sure that the relationship aspect of your, of your work is a very big piece of how you get the job done. Right. So first off, I think it's been awesome the way, you know, our, our company's handled it with, you know, zoom and, and, you know, always my department's been amazing with, you know, making sure everybody's engaged, doing a great job of just staying in communication. Um, but yeah, I mean, basically uh, 50% of my role was to be out in the field. Um, it's made it interesting. Um, I, I'm not able to go to the dealerships and uh, sit in on some of the things I used to be able to do. It definitely takes away that in-person and you know, really seeing what, you know, the boots on the ground are doing at the front line. Um, we like to compare the dealership level to, you know, the people out there rolling up their sleeves and getting it done. Um, and I really love that connection of going out and just seeing what's going on and, 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 uh, you know, talking to the general managers of the stores and, uh, really getting a feel for it and, and traveling with our field team. Um, Fortunately enough, um, our field team has gotten the go-ahead to travel to stores again. Um, unfortunately, I won't be able to travel till August. Um, but yeah, I was comp- I had a full April just taken away. Um, full travel in the end of March. I was supposed to travel in March, but I'm, I'm talking probably four, four to six trips just wiped out over this mat, uh, past three months. That is, that's nuts, man. That is, I, I could only imagine, right? Like, I, I think we've all kind of had to transition from a working in an office to working from a home office. And I know in some States, some different places, people are allowed to go back into their office and things of that sort. I'm working from home until 2021, which for me means a lot of road trips, right? But like, huh. it's just, it's just absolutely absurd. And one point that I kind of want to go back and touch on, Brock, is is your role because you know one I think it's very interesting on how you guys are handling it in a COVID world nowadays um, with Zoom calls and virtual meetings and things of that sort. And now hearing that you guys are not you personally, but like you have guys who are able to go back into the dealerships and be able to actually sell in the dealerships. I'm curious around like the marketing aspect um, that you touched on earlier, and knowing that you know, you and I have, have had, have had plenty of conversations about just marketing in general. And, you know, I even asked you some tips on how to manage social because I needed some tips. What really got you interested in marketing? And when this job came about, like, you know, besides I'm sure like the pay increase, which should have came about, it's deservedly so, but like, what else kind of made you want to take this jump into marketing and then be that guy that's, that's working for a director and a VP, right? Cause that could be a little bit, um, intimidating for some people well um just to give you a background uh, my undergrad at stetson was actually in marketing and um super fascinated even back back then on uh just the social aspect and what was coming up back in you know 20 you know 2015 2016 while studying marketing just seeing some of the how social started to take off and how youtube was just taking off and all these un, you know, quote unquote, untraditional platforms were just starting to become the new norm. And I mean, flat, you know, flash, flash forward to 2020, they are the new norm. If you aren't, you know, on social, if you aren't on YouTube, if you aren't on, you know, 
these TV extension uh, platforms, you're missing out. I mean, with the amount of cord cutting um, in terms of getting off of TV, um, I, and I think that's where I was so fascinated with marketing. I actually did do a stint at a marketing firm in Tampa for about three months before I got into selling cars. But I mean, I've always been so thrilled and interested with, you know, how to get in front of the customer at the right place at the right time. And it just, it's something that it's, you kind of mix data with storytelling. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand that there is a little bit of science to business and marketing is really where you see kind of that science of psychology and data meet business and selling. So it's, it's, it's fun to me. It's fun. I couldn't agree more, man. That's, that's what I love about just working in general, right? Like at the end of the day, like, you know, I actually just got off a call with one of my managers and he was saying, Chase, I don't pay you to be a pricing person. I pay you to be a problem solver. And I think with marketing, you could always solve a problem because you're never, ever, 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 ever going to reach every single person that you think you are, right? When I was working at Nordstrom, one of the things that we always kind of came up into was that we were marketing, we were spending a lot of money on marketing, but half the time we didn't know if we were sending it to the right people or not. And that's a challenge. And in my perspective, like it's a challenge that all marketers always have because you know, one thing that we look at in marketing just by industry, right? As a as a standard within the marketing industry, if you get, call it 5% benchmark of, of retention of customers coming back, that's good, right? It may not be good for Southeast Toyota. It may not be great for Nestle, but like from a benchmark standpoint, it's good, but you always have room to grow. 5%, you're missing out on 95% of other people. And I just think it's really interesting in the, the fact that like, like you said, business does have a science to it and marketing is where that science comes in. And I, I agree with everything you say. It's it's a mix of data and storytelling. And when you're able to put both of those together in a very cohesive, succinct way where it doesn't feel like you're, you know, overly like talking about the data points and instead they're just kind of woven through in your story, that's when you truly hit the mark and you bring it home. And like, I don't know, I just think that this is awesome because marketing gets me geeked as you can obviously tell. Um, and the fact that you're working in it right now from a corporate lens too, even makes it better because now it's even more scientific. Right. And my, my next question for you is how has that changed from working at that marketing firm to now the marketing that you're doing today? Because, you know, from my own experience, the work as an intern is a lot more, uh, I don't want to say minuscule, but it's just not as deep. You're, you're more on the execution aspect of it where now, I'm seeing you, Brock, as a strategist versus an executor. Yeah. Uh, I mean, at the firm, I think I got great experience in working on um, accounts across the board for different um, for different industries. And I think the thing that sets it apart from the firm to here is I, I truly have a passion for Toyotas and I, I love them. So it's it, it's, it makes it fun to try and um, just work on one account and, and work on, you know, something you can really get behind and, and enjoy and, and know that you were, you know, a year ago, you were selling them on, you know, selling them at the dealership. Um, but, you know, I, I think the difference here is that I can really focus on Toyota and, and what, what do I need to do to help market a Toyota? 
Um, and, and it's been awesome in the sense of, you know, I get to, I get to really ch- chew into the data and, and really figure out where, you know, some of the things I do is, you know, figure out where we need to market a certain, you know, model in a certain market and how much of that model should we show on TV? How much of it should we show on digital? Um, really try to figure it out. And it's almost like you said, like puzzle pieces and, 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 and a problem to solve. And then on top of that, you throw in trying to figure out, you know, how much something I do is it's called share a voice. And you're trying to figure out how much share of voice Toyota has in a market compared to the other manufacturers. And it's kind of this game of, you know, you don't want to, you want to be the number one share of voice in that market, but you honestly don't know how much money another manufacturer is going to park, you know, pump into that market. So you're, you're, you're playing this almost uh, fun scientific data game, but gambling at the same time. But it's, uh, it's just, it's super fun. In my opinion, I just, I kind of, I kind of lost, lost the train of thought there. Just thinking about how much fun I have, but. Yeah, man. No. And, and like you were just touching on like traditional media, is that kind of the bulk of the marketing job for you at least? Like, are, are you touching mostly like TV, TV extensions and things of that sort, or is it more social media or is it all holistic and you're looking at everything? So I look at, uh, I look at all channels. Um, right now, we we do do traditional TV. Um, we are finally only have a little bit of print media. I mean, it's crazy to think in 2020 that we still, you know, newspapers, flyers, mailers. That's still a thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're slowly making the move towards more and more TV extensions. So the Hulu's and the you know the the over the top networks. Um, and then the, the social, we do a lot of social, but then we also do a lot of sports. I mean, you know, people watch sports. It's kind of what's keeping TV alive, in my opinion, is live sports. And, and in this COVID world, it's you're, I mean, it's like, what's going on? There's no live sports. Do I even need a cable network? So, um, but then also, I mean, we, we do a lot of just the big thing right now for the car industry is trying to bring the buying process, like we talked about on the last call, to the same type of experience that you have ordering something off of Amazon or ordering something. And it's, you know, you it's you have that expectation met. Or if you're going to Disney and you want to make a reservation for, you know, lunch everything's set and you show up and it's done and you're satisfied. Um, A big thing that we're still coming along with is trying to match our marketing with our process. And that's, that's something that I'm super passionate about. And just to be involved at the corporate level is something I'm super excited about from marketing and just the whole process in general that's changing. Oh yeah. And can you, can you speak on that a little bit more? Cause you said you want to, Talk about marketing your process a little bit more. What exactly do you mean uh, by that? And share as much as you can, right? Like, yeah. obviously there's some some parts that you can't share and we're totally cool with that too, but I'm just really curious on this. So so I think just to, to start, um, 
you definitely have to understand how our business is kind of broken up into levels. Um, so the the dealership is a franchise model. So every every dealership can be owned by a group or its own specific owner, and they buy their cars from the distributor or directly from Toyota. Um, so we're we're kind of we're the corporate level, but at the same time, the dealership gets to make the final call on how they how they sell a car and what they how they choose to do it. And I think that a lot of people get frustrated with um, the process that they're seeing from these great, you know, I call them great marketing companies, great technology companies like Carvana and Vroom, who are just, I mean, they're marketing this process that they have. I mean, great. I mean, if you look, go back and look at CarMax, CarMax was the same way off the bat with this marketing, a great process of, you know, it's an easy process, no haggling, great price. And now Carvana's, you know, marketing this, we'll bring it right to you. And I think on the OEM side, selling new cars, we're starting to market. We're trying to figure out how do we market this? How do we, how do we step into that game? How do we meet the customer where they want to be met? And how do we meet them on all touch points? You know, because it's, it's not just buying the car it's being in the right spot to get in front of them when they're in the search so it's did they see the carvana ad or did they see our ad did they feel right when they saw our ad versus the chevy ad you know it's all these things all these touch points that we have to think about and you know did they open up their phone and go to our website you know the the tier two website for southeast toyota buyatoyota.com did they did they see our ad and go directly to the website? Was the website journey easy? Was it friendly? You know, did they get frustrated with it? Um, so really trying to market this easy buying experience because that's what people are looking for, especially in this COVID environment. I mean, nobody wants to go to the dealer. They're open. You're getting a great deal right now, but the risks. Some people want their car delivered to them. Some people want their car picked up for service. You know, there's all these new things that we need to work better on, you know, marketing and making sure we meet the customer exactly at every touch point that they want to be touched at and, and make sure that they're quality, positive experiences. I absolutely love that, Brock. Thank you for walking us through that because it's not even talking about selling the car itself, right? Like, yes, absolutely. You guys are coming out with a brand new forerunner in 2021 and it's going to have all these new features and new tech inside. And it's going to be even better on the outside, right? Like there's all those capabilities to it. But when you're looking even deeper than that or higher level than that, right? Like when people are thinking about their car buying experience and how they want to actually purchase the car, that's what you guys are trying to attack right now because of, to your point, the Carvanas and, and Vrooms that are online dealers, all they do is market about it's easy. No haggle prices. We'll deliver it right to you. We'll even pick up the car that you're trying to trade into us. Like all of these different things. And these are all challenges that you guys have to tackle now. And I would even argue that, you know, living in a COVID world right now has even expedited that thinking because oh, yeah. now you're not only thinking about like one aspect of it, like, all right, well, let's just nail the marketing down on Toyotas and make sure that we're getting as many people into the Toyota funnel as we can. Now it's taking that a step further and saying, 
well, are we meeting people at the right spot in their car buying process, right? Like, are we actually doing the right things and telling people the right things to make sure that they're buying from us rather than just wanting to go buy that Toyota? Because they could go buy that Toyota at a CarMax or a a Vroom or a Carvana online, but you guys want to make sure that you're competitive enough with those dealerships to ensure that everybody is coming, everybody in the Southeast at least is coming to Southeast Toyota, right? Right. So- so not necessarily Southeast Toyota, but our dealers that we support. So we support yeah. all the 100, 177 Toyota dealers in the Southeast. Um, but yeah, I mean, the one up that I mean we have is that we sell new Toyotas. Uh, Carvana and Broom can only sell used Toyotas. So that, I mean, that alone is an advantage. It's Now it's just making sure that we sell that new Toyota the right way. Um, and, okay. and like you said, market... And hit hit the customer. I love I love the way you said that. Hit the customer where they want, you know, where they are in the journey. You know, some people might be six months out and just want to find a little bit of information on the website. You know, some people might be, you know, two days out and they know which car they want. At this point, they're literally just looking for the best experience possible. And a lot of a lot of the things we preach today is especially in a COVID world is your website homepage is your new showroom. If somebody goes onto your website homepage and is frustrated, disappointed, can't find what they need, don't know where to go next. I mean, it's like walking in the door somewhere and having no signage and no one wanting to help someone find where they need to go. I mean, before someone ever enters the actual physical doors of your showroom, they're going on your website. So why not have a up-to-date, super user-friendly, um, clean website? And it's something that you know COVID has expediated in the sense that a lot of people were stuck in the old ways. Um, and it's, it's these terms that we have in the automotive industry. Um, one of my favorite things that I've seen in all of the webinars um, that I've sat in on pertaining to the automotive industry is this tombstone. And on the tombstone, it says, um, it's a quote that says, when can you come in or just get them in from the sales manager. And it's this classic quote that you have heard for years from sales managers, just get them in just when can you come in? And that's, that's not a thing anymore. I mean, especially with COVID, you can't ask a customer, oh, come in and you'll get the best deal. Um, when can you come in? We'll make it happen when you come in. No, they want to they wanna work the deal from their home because they feel safe there. I mean, they, they want the convenience. And, and past COVID, are we going to fall back to our old ways or are we going to meet them where they want to be met going forward? So, I mean, there's a lot of, I, in my opinion, COVID was a great thing to happen to the automotive industry. And let me, let me come back. COVID was not a good thing. <laughs> it was not, but I think it did. Um, it did have some positive effects on industries, in the sense of bringing them forward into the new age of, you know, the buying process for, I mean, not just automotive industry, but you know, you see it somewhere else, some some other industries as well. Oh yeah, well, well, I agree. You said two things there, Brock, that I want to touch on real quickly, and one of them we even touched on in our last episode where we had you on, and it was like. Consumers are smarter too, right? Absolutely. To your point, you said like salesmen just say, 
just get them in and, and they'll get the best deal. When can you come in? When can you come in? Now people are coming to the to the sales meetings, right? The sales pitches with all of the information that they need to make sure that they get the best deal. I'm going to look at not only the market in Seattle, but I'm going to look at Portland. I'm going to look at San Francisco and I'm going to look at Los Angeles. And I'm going to find the best deal for a car. And I'm going to bring that in. If that dealer, the sales, if the salesman doesn't want to go any lower or match that price, I'm not going to even have a conversation further with you because I already know what the best price is that I'm going to get on this car for the mileage, for after looking at the car facts and everything like that. Like I know exactly what I'm getting coming in. So to your point, it's like we had to accelerate and I, I do think that COVID has been a good thing for businesses in terms of accelerating innovation. And I think that it's also been a accelerator for dying businesses, quite frankly, because I think yes. if a business has been dying and they aren't willing to to innovate and change their ways to be not only a part in, in the present day time, but ahead of it in the future, they're just going to go under. And I think it's 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 kind of helped kind of like, I would call it like, chop the snake at its head. So that way those businesses are like, well, we just can't, can't operate the same way. And we either innovate or we go under. And like, it's to your very, point, yeah, it's a very adapt or die um, situation. Exactly. And those companies who adapt are the ones who are going to thrive and survive through this time. Whereas those who don't, they're just going to end up falling back on the sword that they've been holding on to for the last call it hundred years where they're like, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But guess what? Exactly. COVID broke it. And now you can't fix it because you're too stuck in your ways. Um, Absolutely. And and that was really like the actual full point that I wanted to touch on was just the fact that like one, consumers are smarter and two, COVID has definitely accelerated business thinking. And I think it's cool to hear how you guys are thinking about it because it's really, truly innovative, right? Like, and problem solving, like we said earlier, like we're not here to get paid just to be marketers or pricing people or, you know, to just sit in this box. Like we're, we're paid to get, to be problem solvers and to be proactively thinking about solving that problem. And to your point, it's like, it's no longer about just the car. Like if people are looking to buy a car right now, they, they have a, a thought in their head of what kind of car they want. Um, you know, the make the model, the year, the, the mileage, the price, all the things like that. But if you guys can really truly sell in a competitive market right now on the experience and the buying experience and make sure that the consumer knows, Hey, if I'm looking for a car, I need to go to one of these dealerships that's supported by Southeast Toyota because they make it so easy and I'm probably going to get the best price there and they could ship it to my to my house to make sure that I don't have to go in or they could come pick up my trade in or they could come pick up my car to be serviced and I could get an oil change when I need it on my time and it just seems like the convenience factor is becoming a lot easier for people um or like you guys are trying to solve that problem for people um and truly, like like you said, like accelerate the business thinking to be able to meet the customer in the right place, hitting them with the right message at the very right time. So that way they always know Southeast Toyota is the place that I need to go. Well, not Southeast Toyota, but the dealers that you One guys One of support. our dealers. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So Brock, I mean, or go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I think you, you hit it on the head there. Great. I think the one thing I'd you know, add is I, I'd ask you a question. I mean, um, have I mean, have you you've been to Disney, right? Oh yeah. I mean, th- there's not a whole lot that people would pay 200 bucks to go, uh, you know, stand in the heat and then lines for. I mean, if you really think about it, they they broke the stereotype on uh, amusement parks, and they, they they'll get you to pay 200 bucks just for an experience. 
And I oh, think yeah. that's that's the biggest thing I, I I'm excited for, and I and I preach is it, don't get so caught up in in the short term loss and profit because yeah, they're like you said before, consumers are so informed these days they're going to cross shop you with every dealer and they're going to want the best price but let me ask you this if one of the dealers was willing to bring the car to you with all the paperwork would you be willing to pay you know an ex- that extra thousand dollars even though you know it might not be the best price in the area but they're willing to meet you where you need to be met and you know give you the better experience i mean Honestly, I, I and maybe I'm just speaking for other people, but I, honestly, I would be willing to pay a little bit more just to have a better experience. Brock, I, I, I'm going to cut you off there because there was a study that was done two years ago to see if people would pay for convenience. And there's a lot of apps that do it, right? Instacart, they go pick up your groceries for you and, and bring it straight to your door. You probably pay a premium that you have no idea what you're paying, but you're paying a premium. Um, and then you also have to subscribe, right? Postmates, Uber Eats, like from a very minuscule perspective, people are willing to pay five, 10, 15, 20 dollars just to get their food delivered to them. So when you think about it on that broad spectrum, right? Like call it a twenty thousand dollar car. If you're gonna charge me an extra thousand dollars to bring me everything, to bring the paperwork, to bring the salesman and figure out his ride home, because I'm not driving him home in my new car. <laughs> of right? course not. No, absolutely. I think it's like upwards near like 90 to 95% of American consumers would actually pay for the convenience. And it just kind of proves your point, right? Like you can charge that extra thousand dollars to get somebody else to your door and get everything done that would be done at a dealership right at the comfort of your home, whether you invite them inside or whether you just do it outside. But like point being is that the convenience factor is there. And a lot of people are looking for that right now. And I think because of that aspect of you know, COVID and then also thinking about all the other convenience factors that consumers have necessarily or not necessarily always wanted, but now are, are asking of uh, companies to do this for them. Like, I, I think you hit it right on the head. And to your point, like Disney changed that stereotype from the beginning. They, I, I've been to Disney so many times. I'm, I'm sure you have as well, right? Living down in Florida. Absolutely. And the, the most rides I've gotten to ride in one day is like four. Maybe. Right. Like if I, if I, if I time it up, if I get there right as they open, if I go get a fast pass for every ride that I want to get on, like I spent $250 for four rides. You can go to a six flags in Georgia for a quarter of the price ride 10 times more rides, but the experience won't be the same because you truly feel like you're at an amusement park versus a magical world. And and I think that point is so, so valid. Absolutely. I mean, because they are the masters at, at, controlling experience i mean you might you might wait in line all day for that one ride and you might get to the front and it breaks down but because the whole rest of your experience of you know the the guy that greeted you when you walked in the person that asked to take a picture of you the smells the way everything was how great the experience was all those green touch points are make you want to come back and say, you know what? It's okay that that ride wasn't, you know, wasn't there. I'll come back another time and spend two hundred bucks. It, <laughs> you know, and, and it's crazy that, that that they can do that. You know, and it's just the big thing that, like you said before, from the studies, it's. I think the new way is to stop focusing, and this goes for any business. This is this is just not just for cars or anything. It's it's, it's stop focusing on 
you know, short-term profit and, and start, you know, focusing on retention and, and giving that experience that'll bring them back. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I think this has been fantastic. And Brock, I got one last question for you. Um, and it is, if you had one thing, one to, one to three things that you wanted to say today, whether it's a tip, um, say somebody's looking to buy a car, whatever it may be, but what are kind of like your top three, one to three things that you didn't necessarily get to say today that you might've wanted to get, get to say to everybody? Hmm. Jeez, that's, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I don't know if it, if I want to talk about the car industry anymore or, or, you know what, I, I will, I will talk about, it could be about anything, Brock. Yeah. It doesn't have to be about the car industry. You know, I, I think the biggest thing I'd have to talk about with, you know, just my journey in general is, um, you know, just putting your time in, um, the biggest thing for me that I'm so grateful for is working in my position right now. Um, I do have a level of respect given to me just because I sold cars for a little, about a year. Um, was it fun at times? It was fun, but let me tell you, 12 hour days, six days a week, it, it was a grind. And you know, when my friends were out having fun on the weekends and I was working 12 hour Saturdays, um, and some Saturdays not selling one car and other Saturdays you'd sell three cars, but let me tell you that one Saturday where you spent 12 hours with someone and didn't sell a car, you went home and you were like, what am I doing? Is this mm -hmm. worth it? And I just say, it's worth it. Put in your time. I think that's a big thing that, you know, our generation has lost is that sense of drive. And is it worth it? It is worth it. Cause in the end, I have a job that I love to wake up to every day now. And that one year of super hard work and, and quote unquote, putting in the grind was so worth it. Cause now I, you know, I have a nine to five job that I wish was nine to nine because I have so much fun waking up and doing it every day. Um, so I, I think that's what I'd leave people with is don't get so hard work pays off. Hard work. Well, and pays it's, off. It goes back to the old saying of like pay your dues. Right. And yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think a lot of us are, are realizing that business norms are changing. Um, everything that's going on in the country or everything that's been going on in the country over the summer has, has definitely accelerated business thinking, right? Oh, absolutely. And to your point, like a lot of people in our generation just want to get that VP level job immediately. Yeah, well, I don't yeah. want to do the grunt work. I don't want to do this <laughs> and that. I don't want to grind. It's like, hey, I, I, I get you, right? I completely understand. I would love to be a CEO too. But one thing that I've learned is that if you don't pay your dues and do the due diligence of doing that job, you actually set yourself up for unsuccess, right? You don't understand Imagine, it. You don't. And you're, you're starting at a at a negative versus starting at ground zero, right? And because you took that time to go and actually sell out a dealership for a year, like let's not discount 12 months of being on the floor and literally having to sell. You now get to take that experience all the way through with you and say that you're working with people who have never sold before. You're actually the expert in that. And you get to step up and your opinion is heard over others because you've done that before and you've been there and you've you've understood what it's like to go through the highs and the lows and the the normal day-to-day -day of a car salesman. And to your point, Brock, it's like, if you don't put in the time, you're never going to actually reach and achieve that success that you want. And then the other point to it is that if you don't put the time in now while we're young, right? In our, our 20s, 
there's a lot more shit that's going to come up in your life when you're 30 something, 40 something, 50 something. That's going to oh, absolutely derail your career. We, we get to be so focused right now where we get to, you know what, I'm going to take the year and I'm going to go be a car salesman this year because I see a future within the car industry for myself. Not only did you go and you took that job, but you took it, you applied it, and then you found yourself getting a promotion and then being able to work in the corporate office. Right. And, and that just kind of ties my whole point in holistically is the fact that like, Go into these jobs, but don't think of it as your career. Think of it as the next step to take that to take into that next role. So that way you can keep leveling up, moving up the ladder, you know, moving uh, moving sideways and laterally if you need to, or just continue moving up. But that's what's going to help set you up for success. I'm really happy that you said that today, Brock. Yeah, um, something that you said that I'll, I'll just put an at you know add a little bit to, um, where you said you know the VP. And, you know, you, we want these VP jobs. We want these CEO roles right off the bat. I mean, and like you said, it's setting yourself up to, you know, be disappointed or, or, or not understand what's underneath you in the sense that um, the founder of my company, um, Jim Moran, um, super awesome dude. I, if, if you haven't heard of him, I, I would highly recommend look up his book. Um, super interesting guy. He's the first first car salesman are not first car salesman, first automotive industry individual to um, market a car on live television. But he was the founder of Southeast Toyota and his saying was nothing happens till you sell a car. So there's no marketing, there's no comp, there's no distributor, there's nothing until you sell a car. So getting that sales experience by selling the car, that's where everything starts. I mean, there's no big corporation if you don't sell a car. So I, I love that what you said about not understanding, you know, from the bottom up. But I mean, you don't have to start at the bottom bottom, but just pay your dues, like you said, and and just it's crazy what you can do understanding everything or you know setting yourself up by paying your dues. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly, man. It's it, if you put the work in today, it pays off for you in the long run, and that's. I tell everybody that I mentor that I tell my little brother that I tell my friends, I, I tell everybody that because it's like something that I, I need as a constant reminder for myself, because there are definitely times in my career where I found that I thought I was too good for the job and was expecting a promotion. And it just didn't come because I wasn't necessarily ready for the promotion. And that's a hard reality to look yourself in the mirror and say, I'm not as good as I think I am. Right. And I think if you're able to attack it by saying, it doesn't matter how good I am right now. It's going to matter how good I am in a year. It's going to matter how good I am in two years. It's going to matter how good I am in three years at this job. So that way I could actually learn, gain the experience, and then move forward and continue moving up in my career. I think it's a it's a more mature way and a better way of looking at it because mentally it just keeps you more sane rather than oh, just yeah. looking at like, I'm going to get this job, I'm going to get promoted in a year, and then I'm going to get ready to go. Like I found myself in that rut for for the first couple of years of my career, and it's daunting. And it's also very, very tiring. Right. No, yeah. I think the best thing I've heard, and I've been super, super blessed to have some of uh, these great mentors above me in in the company right now, and you know, have these mentors who are the role that I aspire to be, which is that district sales manager. Eventually, um, a lot of them gave me the best advice. Is like the worst thing that could happen right now is to have you be thrown into that role and fail. Exactly. They're like, wait, learn be ready, like take the time to learn right now and, and mature 
because when you get thrown into that role and you kill it, that's what just makes it, you know, that much easier to succeed. But if you get thrown into that role when you're not ready and you fail, it's so much harder to dig yourself out. Exactly. Exactly. And Brock, we're, we're running a little bit out of time right now, but right. I did want to, I wanted to thank you so much for joining me today, man. And this conversation was awesome. Like we touched on COVID, we touched on your role, how you got into your role. And honestly, I didn't even think we we're going to dive so deeply into marketing, but this was, I'm like, I'm over here smiling right now because this was such a great combo. Awesome. Yeah. I definitely don't want to keep you too long. I know we can ramble sometimes. Oh no. <laughs> you and me both can ramble. We could go on for forever. My friends. You know, when you're passionate about it, you know, you, you just want to talk about it all the time. I, I totally understand it. Exactly. Exactly. But thank you again, Brock, for joining us. And, you know, this was this was awesome. We're going to have to bring you even back again because this is <laughs> I'm enjoying these conversations. As long as you're not getting tired of me, we're going to have to keep these going. Hey, man, good conversation leads to, you know, great ideas and, and big time things. So I'm all about talking. As long as, as long as we can make some stuff happen, you know, Hey, we always will. We always will. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. If you like the show, make sure to leave us a review. Go ahead and check us out on Twitter and Instagram at underscore millennial way and check out our website at itsmillennialtalk.com where there's new blog posts and updates. We will see you next winning Wednesday. Go grab those dubs. This is the millennial way tailoring the next generation of leaders.